Hola. Hello. Bienvenidos a Enredo. A podcast about raising bilingual children. I do like to read with my mama. In the past few weeks, the topic of school reopenings have reached a fever pitch, with good reason. As we pay close attention to the discussions surrounding PPE, social distancing, hybrid and virtual models, one thing that we are not hearing about much are efforts to ensure continuity in the many dual language programs across the nation. This is why we spoke with Rosa Campos, one of the organizers of Safe Dual Language in Naperville, Illinois. The campaign is advocating for the dual language program to meet the language and cultural needs of its dual language students, whether it be from a distance or in person. A few days after we recorded our interview with Rosa, she sent us an update. It worked. The Naperville School District will offer specialized programs like dual language for all students. Congratulations to the organizers and most of all to the Naperville student body. Now, here's Rosa. Um, my name is Rosa Campos, and I am an immigrant. I am originally from Mexico. I came here when I was 15 with my family. Um, I was very fortunate to, to go to college. I became a teacher. I am a bilingual um, teacher. I have an endorsement in ESL and bilingual. Um, I live in Naperville. We moved here because of their amazing dual language program. And I think <laughs> right now it's something that um, is very, very concerning to us because we specifically moved here because of the school district, which is amazing, uh, top in the country. And, and they have a, school, uh, a dual language program that is very well established. We're talking about 13 years. It started back in 2007. So I have um, two ELLs, uh, one of them is six, she's gonna turn six, and the other one is gonna turn three. And we, you know, my, my family, we believe that uh, dual language programs are the best way for them to become bilingual, biliterate, and multicultural. At home, we are doing as much as we can, um, you know, to maintain their language, to make sure that they feel proud of um, our heritage. We, we travel to Mexico whenever we can. We speak Spanish at home. Um, you know, we read books at home, uh, mostly in Spanish. My husband is a native, uh, native English speaker, but he also speaks Spanish. So we have, we have both languages at home. Um, but yeah, you know, so, so that's about, about me, but something that I wanted to to mention um, right at the beginning is um, that I have to talk about the privilege that I have because right now I'm here doing this interview with you and um, I know that there are a lot of families that are not able to do this. So, you know, just like a, like a check and talking about my, my position of, of privilege, you know, starting with being a U.S. citizen and someone who is allowed to, to vote for policies, for, um, you know, things that impact our, our kids directly, our communities. And there are many families that are not able to do that. Um, I speak English. 
I can read English, I can write English, I have access to technology. That's another, another issue with, with um, you know, some families. Um, and, and I think one of the most important aspects um, is that I have uh, a college degree and specifically it's a college degree in education that allows me to understand some of these policies. I have uh, teaching experience. I've been in the dual language classrooms for eight years. So I know, you know, um, about the curriculum. I know about uh, things that if you are not in the education field, you may not be aware of. So I, I see all of those points as, as a privilege that I have, and I am aware that not all families have that, the same privilege. And um, Rosa, tell us a little bit about the program itself. Um, before it closed down during the pandemic, how did it work? How was it designed? Is it a track within a, within schools? Is it 50-50, 80-20? Um, tell us a bit about that. Sure. Okay. Um, in my opinion, the, the dual language program that we have here in Naperville 203, it's, it's an amazing dual language program. Um, as I mentioned before, it's very well established. We're talking about 13 years. Um, it, it is housed in five elementary schools out of 14. And, you know, it's approximately 600 students. Um, and that is um, half of them ELLs and half of them native English speakers. And um, we also have one middle school and um, each of the two high schools, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it, it is a two-way immersion program, meaning that it's a long-term bilingual and multicultural program that uses both languages for instruction, and they follow an 80-20 model. Um, they have four lotteries to get in the program, and that's something that was very concerning to us, because even though my daughter is an ELL, you know, um, she's, proficient in Spanish, we were concerned that there was still a lottery that she had to, to go through. Um, but the four lotteries are for native Spanish speakers, native English speakers, boys and girls. So the, the program is, is uh, balanced with a number of students, um, you know, um, with um, native English speakers, native Spanish speakers. So I, I think it's, it's very well balanced. And they follow the guiding principles of, of dual language. So um, I think, you know, in my opinion, I think it's, it's a very good program what we have. And Rosa, tell us what happened when the schools closed in March? When our schools closed, we um, had to learn remotely our students learn remotely at home but they stayed with their dual language class um, our teacher was the one sending us lesson plans and sending us you know everything that we would cover during the week and um and in my, in my opinion, it was very well planned because she would send us lesson plans for the whole week and she would do Zoom meetings with the whole class. And she also had a morning message every morning. So 
um, for my daughter, it was it, it it was easy to understand what was happening in our home because she was able to see her her classmates at their home. You know, it was uh, like a reassurance that we're gonna go back or it's okay. We're all in this together. Um, you know, and, and the teacher, she was amazing, uh, creating those spaces where we could come together through Zoom meetings, through the, the app. Um, we had the homeroom app where we, you know, all the families, we would share pictures, we would share um, comments. So it, it really felt like a community. And, and especially because in, in this um, dual language program, uh, it's only one strand. So which means that uh, starting in kindergarten, those students are gonna be together until fifth grade. So those families really get to know each other very well because it's only one strand. And that's how it is in every school. So for us, it was you know something very nice that we were able to, to maintain um, the communication with the families and that we were able to share what we were doing at home. And so in my opinion, it worked very well for us. So it sounds like, like the school was able to transition to do a language. I mean, it yes. sounds like they were able to do it. Right. So, yes. so, so, okay. The summer happens, right. And, and how did the school communicate the changes in how the program would operate in the new year? And what was the justification, right, for to not off, offer the remote dual language program? Okay. Um, so during the return to school plan, which was published in July 13, not too long ago, we were presented with two options, the hybrid model and the online model. The hybrid model will have A and B groups and they would alternate being in the classroom two or three days, depending on the week. The remaining days would be um, remote learning at home. Um, many, many parents were not clear about the language allocation in each model that was presented. Nothing was mentioned about learning Spanish uh, through the online academy. Um, so only after sending emails to administration, we were able to confirm that dual language students who participate in the hybrid model will continue to receive instruction in Spanish, while dual language students who opted into the online academy would receive their curriculum in English, with an English-only curriculum. They did um, assure that ELLs would receive the support that they are mandated by the state but they didn't know how that was gonna look and they didn't offer you know, any explanation about that. Um, we were also told that um, they would provide Spanish resources for you know, the emergent bilinguals in the dual language classrooms to maintain their Spanish. But again, they were not specific about how those resources were gonna look. And um, the parents, to be honest, the parents, we were all very confused. We thought that the mode of instruction was going to change, but not the actual program. So this was not only, um, uh, you know, this not only raised an issue about equity, but also about communication and, and safety, ultimately. We were not provided with an explanation of why things were, um, you know, why we were offered that. We were not provided with, with an explanation. 
Um, and it, it seems, you know, to us that we have to choose between um, accessing the academic content from the dual language program and being safe at home. And that is what our district is asking us to do by July 29th, which is the deadline for the parents to choose. Um, the deadline was extended. It was originally uh, for July 22nd and after they received many emails from parents, um, they extended it for eight days, but it's, it's still, we don't have an explanation about why this is the only two options that we get. Um, we did receive an email uh, a couple of days ago explaining how the, the support, how the support would look like for ELLs. And in my opinion, it's just what the state is mandating, nothing else, nothing extra. It really looks like an ESL pullout online. And to me, that's unacceptable. Right. So it, it, it sounds like, and I don't know if you know this, but are they basically, if you choose the virtual option, is it like a centralized option? You mentioned the academy. So does that mean? It's, is that why they're saying you would be in this academy that it almost feels like you'd be removed from the school, although you're probably still tied to the school, but is that more or less how they're doing it? That's how it seems. Um, my understanding is that once we choose the online academy, we are not going to be part of a dual language cohort. We are not, we could be with any students from the same grade level. The teacher does not have to be a bilingual teacher. Um, you know, it just seems like we're going to be part of a group. Um, depending on the access course of the ELLs, then they would receive the support that they need. But depending on how much time with a bilingual teacher or an ESL endorsed teacher, that's going to depend on their level of proficiency. So at this point, we know that for ELLs, if they choose an online academy, the curriculum is going to be in English with an English speaking teacher. Um, and then they're going to re receive services from an additional teacher that it's going to, you know, service them according to their proficiency in English. So, um, you know, this raises a lot of concerns, especially when we're talking about maintaining our native language, about being um, uh, biliterate, about being uh, bicultural, about, you know, obviously that's not going to be promoted through that ESL pullout online. Right. This seems like a, such an overwhelming, I, w I, I don't want to call it a choice because for some people it's not a choice. You have to keep That's your true. kid home um, for, you know, medical reasons, for whatever reason, right? Um, and and um, you would not only be losing the language component, but from what you're describing in terms of how the program works, also the community. Yes, you know, the classroom access to the friends and the other families yes. and which is essential now, right? Doesn't yes. that, that feels like it's like you would want that connection so that the kids can stay engaged and maintain those relationships. Yes. Um, that's, yeah, that's difficult. 
It is very difficult. And, and something else to consider is that the reason that dual language is so important is because it allows families, dual language families, to preserve their native language. So I don't know if you have seen in, in our campaign, we have kids with signs that say, yes. respect my native language, because we feel that ultimately, um, you know, by offering them an English curriculum, they are not, they are prioritizing English and culturally and linguistically gentrifying an already marginalized community. And um, when you face out or stop developing their native language, it is culturally damaging. And quite frankly, it is oppressive. It is absolutely. And it feels like, you know, this sort of like untethering from a program that that is beneficial to heritage yes. language speakers is it, it, it's it, the long term effects of, of something that is, by the way, not going to last forever. This is a, an emergency that we're going through right now. This is not something uh, this is not the new normal. Nothing about this is normal and it won't last forever. And, and we have to come out of this. Um, hopefully, in, in particularly with our children, are concerned. Yes. Hopefully, unscathed, and and schools should you know be held accountable for that. Yes, I and, I, I completely agree. Right, and and you know the, I'm thinking too. You were saying that there are second language learners in the program as well. So they you know it, it's the ELLs and then the second language learners, which I'm assuming are, are kids that are learning Spanish in the program, but they come from homes that are English speaking or, or that speak other languages that yes. not Spanish. Right. That's so, correct. and I'm thinking those children are not going to have access to anything. They're going to be completely cut off from. Yes. So from that this. raises another concern when we're talking about their growth and, and, and right. we have, we have discussed the parents, we have talked about how ultimately this year is going to affect the next six years of the program. You know, the, the kids who stay in the dual language program, who choose the online academy will be behind. And that's something right. that, you know, it, it needs to be addressed because parents, uh, they, they care for the program. You know, if they went through the lottery, if they went, you know, these are families that are very committed to the program. They believe in the principles of this program and just putting them aside, it's just not fair for them, not at all. And, and has, have, has the school made clear if you choose the digital, like the virtual program that you keep your spot in the school? Yes. Okay. So if, if you choose the online academy, you are making a commitment of a trimester and you are actually able to go back to the hybrid model in person if you want to okay. um, or the following year if you want to. They, they okay. have made that clear. Um, I asked about the option of homeschooling because... Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a teacher. I would like to continue with the 80-20 model at home. And that was not an option for me. If I want to pull my kid out of the, the district and homeschool, I do not have a spot next year if I want her to, you know, come back to her classroom. Right. And, and really, when you're talking about doing, um, because my, my daughter went to um, a monolingual English program in kinder. And I tried to maintain Spanish at home and give her some sort of curriculum. Sure. Um, at, but it's difficult to compete with, yeah. you know, when you're talking about that the entire curriculum is in English, if you want to introduce a new language with the already 
pretty robust workload, right? Yes. They give you, it is difficult. And the kid, this is a situation where the kids are already a little bit, you know, anxious and stressed out. Adding more work on top of that is not really feasible. No, no. We're talking about five hours of instruction in English and me trying to add (laughs) academic (laughs) content in Spanish. It's just a lot. It's not very realistic, you know, and they say that, you know, they're going to provide Spanish resources for, um, uh, you know, the English native speakers, but, you know, we don't really know how that's going to look. It might be a subscription to, um, I don't know, uh, epic books in Spanish or, you know, we don't know how that's going to look. Right. Uh, Ultimately, uh-huh. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, uh, I was going to say that that's something to keep in mind. And, and I don't know if a lot of, you know, the people who are making the decisions, um, something to keep in mind is that we're not talking about an enrichment program. We are talking about removing barriers so that some of our most marginalized students can access the dual language curriculum. Uh, not the ESL pull-out program. You know, this is not an, an elective or an extracurricular activity. And we don't know exactly how much representation was, how much represent, representation for our ELLs and dual language students when these decisions were made. So that's another concern that we have. Right. They didn't, they, they didn't reach out to parents and dual language programs. No. So tell us about the campaign. How was I, how, how did it come up? And obviously as a reaction to this, but um, tell us about that and what the, what you're trying to achieve with it. Okay. Um, so as I mentioned before, we started by emailing the school district individually. Um, and After that, there was a Facebook group, uh, I believe it was a mom's Facebook group, uh, where they realized that they had a common concern. And after, you know, having conversations through Facebook, they realized that something needed to happen, you know. So uh, 17 families from the dual language program met through a Zoom meeting and created the following demands for, for the school board. Um, and this is something that we included in a, in a letter that we all sent to the school board. Um, so they felt that it was the responsibility of the district to provide a model to the online academy students that was comparable to the hybrid model in, regard, in regards to language allocation. You know, something that was, um, yeah, co- compatible. Um, our families wanted a district-wide statement to go out to all dual language families that clarified that the online academy will only be presented through an English curriculum because this was not clear. When they okay. sent that uh, first information in July 13, that was not clear at all. Um, we explained that the, that the current online plan could not meet the goals of the dual language program. We asked that once the positions were clarified that they please provide a full nine days for parents to make their their decision. Nine nine days was the number of days that was given to the district as a whole. And we felt that since many parents did not know about the the change in language allocation between the models that it, it would be unfair not to give them additional time 
to make an informed decision. Um, we also asked the district to issue a dual language continuing improvement plan that would include parents as stakeholders. We suggested either a virtual or in-person town hall where families could, um, you know, would have the opportunity to share questions, concerns, and collaborate on problem solving ideas. Um, however, out of these three demands, we only received a deadline, uh, an extension to the deadline, which was eight days. And we received a statement explaining how the, the support would look for the ELLs. And, and, and another thing about that statement is that it was very confusing for families. It was worded in a way that made the Spanish-speaking families think that it was a good thing, you know? And I say this because I was in a, in a Facebook conversation and some families were like, yay, we're making improvement. This is great. And I'm thinking, this is not great. This is terrible for the dual language program. They completely left out all the native, native uh, English native speakers completely. And what they're offering to the ELLs, it's basically an ESL pull-up online. And, and, and to me, you know, I'm thinking about what happened to the 30 years of research that we have into these programs, you know, that are the best option for, for our students, you know. So um, after that, sorry, we, we created a, a Facebook group and we have, uh, I believe, about 200 uh, families that have joined the, the Facebook group. Um, we, what else? Um, uh, the website, I think the website was one of the, the, the things that, um, you know, we have really worked on. We have really um, uh, come together to create the content, the pictures, you know, making sure that um, we're sharing the values that, that represent the program and represent the, the families. Um, we created a Twitter account, and this is where Dr. Jose Medina was able to share our message, and we are very thankful for that. Um, and, and, and I think this is something big, you know, to have high-profile supporters for our campaign, like, like him, Dr. Jose Medina, who is one of the authors of The Guiding Principles for Dual Language Education, a book that it's used basically in every dual language school, you know, every dual right. language program. Um, um, a member of the Illinois House of Representatives, uh, Barbara Hernandez, is, is also following our campaign. So we feel um, very proud for that. Um, Ilache, the La Illinois Latino Council on Higher Education. Dream Action, a student-led organization at NIU that represents undocumented students. Um, and also our um, school district, they are also following our campaign. So <laughs> yes, they, we, oh, we <laughs> have them as followers in, in our uh, Twitter account. Um, but I think one of the most powerful things that we have created is letter templates that um, P1 
parent where parents are able to express themselves and you know really explain the issue and and send this letters to the school board to um, you know our, our administration and this is all in our website this is all all the information that I'm sharing here it's it's in our website that's great uh, it seems like you're really you know engaging the parents and 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 the school district as well um, which is I feel like the most important thing you know in terms of reaching out and and was it challenging to engage the the families that were in the dual language program uh, at first to sort of help them understand what was happening it it has been um because not a lot of families are very aware of um because to start with they were not aware of the english only curriculum so, you know, that's something that we had to explain uh, the parents that had emailed our, our administration. Um, you know, that's something that we had to create that awareness. And, and I think that has been one of the most successful parts of this campaign, raising that awareness um, so that a lot of people understand that this is an issue that goes beyond that language allocation, you know. Uh, reiterating um, the importance of the culture um, that when we send our students down the English path we're actually sending them the message that we don't accept their culture or the native language we are making them feel like there is something wrong with them or that you know their English needs to be better and that this is uh, you know this is a very gentrified message um, it is culturally and linguistically um, oppressive you know so by contacting parents working with them contacting the board um, I, I really think that we are making a, a difference when it comes to um, you know educating parents that's another thing um, they are le learning things that they didn't know for example BPAC you know many parents didn't know that the bilingual parent advisory committee was a state mandated um, you know, committee that represents English language learners, and ma many parents did not know that. Um, so I, I think we have created an, an awareness that it has been needed in, in this district, and that I'm sure that it's needed in, in other districts as well. Yes, that's so important. A big part of organizing is sort of your, you know, ability to communicate the problem clearly and also reaching the people that the problem is going to be, you know, affecting. And, and I, I, it's, it's, you, you're doing a great job. I mean, we looked at the website and we read through it and it's very informative and clear. Thank you. Thank uh, you. We appreciate it. Yes. Uh, and, you know, we, our listeners are, parents we also have educators and and people in the in the sort of like a language uh academic world right and they these parents are going through probably sim a similar problem and i don't know that they're as organized as you are <laughs> mm -hmm. or if they've even thought about doing something like that right and yeah. and you know in numbers there's power so yes. What would be your advice to parents that are going through something like this in another district, in another state, um, what they can do tomorrow or today to, to protect their dual language programs? I think um, the first thing is to understand exactly what they're offering them. 
you know, for us, it, it was um, like very, the fact that we didn't understand what they were offering us uh, through that plan that they, you know, they, they showed us the plan and we didn't understand. So the first thing, in my opinion, would be asking questions, emailing their administration, emailing uh, the school board, making sure that they understand what they are being offered and then learning about their rights. You know, this is something that we we are really advocating, learning about things that are happening. For example, we have four board members who their term would be expiring next year. So at this point, we are, we are you know, educating families about this too. You know, um, this is something that we can change. And it has happened in other districts, you know, like Oswego, where there was a time when the board decided to get rid of the dual language program. And I don't know if you were aware of this, but all the parents organized and they created a campaign that was so strong that they were able to bring back the dual language program by gaining seats in their school board, you know? <laughs> So, so this is something that, that, you know, we, we are, um, educating parents now. Um, but yeah, de definitely getting together, sharing their concerns and, and creating a plan, you know, um, there's work that has been done, for example, the work that we have done, uh, and they can find it in our website and see if there's something that they could use. They don't have to reinvent, reinvent the, the wheel, you know, like what we said in, in education, the teachers, we always say, uh, we don't have to reinvent it. You know, if it, it has, it's been creative, we can use it and adapt it. Uh, but I think that the, the most important thing is making sure that, that they always keep in mind the rights of their children, you know, because when, when we're talking about uh, groups that have been marginalized, that have been oppressed, um, you know, that, that's something that really concerns me. Um, and when we're talking about the future of the dual language program, how is that going to look? Um, something that I, I keep in mind, one, one of the teachers contacted me and and she said that the DL teachers were told that they either teach the hybrid model or do the online academy with an English curriculum only and forfeit their positions as dual language teachers. You oh, know, wow. so that really makes me think of the future of the dual language program. If I was a teacher and I'm put in that position, I don't think I would want to stay in a district like that, to be honest. And And that makes me worried about you know there's a teacher shortage we yeah. know that <laughs> we know and you really want to keep the teachers that you have and if they are you know being put in that position it's just not good for the program at all um she mentioned um that there would be many dual language teachers who could staff a dual language online academy if the district would allow it um, so, you know, to me, it's, it's very concerning. I know that the teacher union is working on this, um, and I hope that they find a way, 
you know, to, to work it out. And if we, as, as a campaign, if the, um, the dual, safe dual language in Naperville, if we can help somehow the teachers or the teacher union, we are more than happy to collaborate. We are. That's great. Teacher, teacher unions have been instrumental during this time, you yeah, know, yes. and, and I think finding more pathways to connect with parents um, and parents working together with teachers because we want, we both have the same goal yes. <laughs> at the end of the day is great. So thank you so much to teacher unions, solidarity yes. <laughs> with them. Yes. yes. And, and, and really this seems to, to us um, like it's, kind of like a, a like an attempt to dismantle something oh. that is very powerful and beautiful, right? Yeah. And, and something that's serving the community in ways that, you know, you can't, you can't really measure. It, it's just, it's, it's, you know, dual language programs provides access to a new sort of like world for, for children, mm -hmm. you know, when they have been it, people, in this country, we have fought so hard for them. Yes. It, it's so difficult to establish a dual language program it and is. to maintain it. And now, you know, this feels like it's almost like people yeah. are sort of throwing their hands up. Like they, they, and I don't understand why this is happening. And, and we, you know, it, it, it it's, it's everywhere. And it's concerning. And, and it's very unfortunate, you know, and for the people that, you know, it may not be happening in your community, in your school district, or in your city, but that doesn't mean that it's not happening. And that doesn't mean that they cannot get involved and support other campaigns, you know, so that's something right. to, to consider. And, and to your point, um, you know, I thought about it when um, I think about my three-year-old who is about to start uh, preschool and he's already enrolled in the the uh, school district's uh, preschool which has a bilingual program a TBE program and as of now we only have the option if, if we want to do it online we only have the option of an English only curriculum online he's three years old he does not speak English he is mm -hmm. fully proficient in Spanish. Um, it, you know, so when you think about those students that are just entering, you know, and they are not, not gonna be able to continue developing their native language. Mm -hmm. Think about how much this is affecting them, not only linguistically, but culturally, you know, their, their identity it's being affected by this. And ultimately, you know, when they wanna continue into the dual language program, when it's time to go to kindergarten and take that access test or, and see if they qualify as native Spanish speakers, many of them won't be able to qualify. So then what do you do if you don't have enough native Spanish speakers to enroll in a dual language program that has a 50-50 population, you know? when they have half of them native Spanish speakers, half of them native English speakers. But now you may not have enough native Spanish speakers because you removed that when they were three. You know, so it, it makes me think about the future of, of the program and it, it really makes me sad. And I, I really hope that they reconsider, you know, because we have three days to decide and as of now we don't have any response we don't have you know that that's the only thing that we have that statement that said how the support would look for ells 
Um, but that's it. We don't have in, anything else. So. Right. And what do you, nobody's going to change your mind in three days if you right. have a choice for your family about, you know, yeah. safety, right. Absolutely. And health. That's not Absolutely. more time might, you know, it, it helps, but it also, you know, by now most families know what they want to do. And, exactly. and, and, you know, it, I, I wish that, schools were thinking sort of beyond the emergency a little bit and thinking more about like the long term of what we're talking about here. Um, and I'm so glad that that this campaign has started and that you're yeah. creating sort of a pathway for a lot of parents that are going through this. Yes. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate you reaching out to us and, um, you know, giving us a voice outside of our school district. Um, <laughs> you know, we, uh, the campaign, we are working together. We have uh, a very strong group of parents. Um, and I'm hoping that more school districts do this, you know, especially because we know that it is possible. I personally know teachers who are gonna be working, uh, dual language teachers who are gonna be teaching online. And I know that it's doable. Uh, other school districts with less resources. This is this is an amazing school district, and other resources, uh, other school districts with less resources are are making it work, right. and that's what we are expecting of this amazing school district. Thank you so much to Rosa and the organizers of this campaign. If you want to get involved or start a similar effort in your area, go to their website at savedualanguageinnaperville.com. We'll also add the link in our show notes. We want to hear from you. Let us know if you have concerns about how your dual language program is handling this crisis via our Facebook group, Instagram at entredospodcast or messages at entredospodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Hasta la próxima. Nos vemos.